When I hear my grandparents speak about the olden days, I always hear about the old lost relics such as milk delivered to your front door in glass bottles from the local store or the old box-shaped televisions. But one thing has remained consistent across every city, town and community in Australia on just about every day and that is the local postie. What my granddad knows them for, a great yarn three days a week. Next guest, Australia Post CEO Paul Graham, is one of the key reasons why this is still the case. Despite Australia Post letter service losing the company around a quarter of a billion dollars last financial year, it remained, delivering to you whether you lived in Sydney or Cunnamulla. It is one of the most complex organisations in this country to manage, where Paul, along with his leadership team, are expected to balance community service obligations with financial objectives. Every use of funds is heavily scrutinised, despite the fact they never actually receive a cent of taxpayer money. In fact, they cut the government a cheque each year. There truly is no organisation quite like it in Australia. Hello and welcome back to The Business Of. I'm Will. And I'm Charlie. With Paul today, we unpack his background at Woolworths and DHL in supply chain logistics and how it's prepared him for his role at Australia Post. We discuss the scrutiny that surrounds the role and if that made him think twice about taking on the position. And he reveals the key challenges facing Australia Post in the future and how he plans to tackle them with his low profile, highly involved and grounded leadership style. We hope you enjoy. Paul, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Keen for this discussion. Thanks for coming on. So the first no. question we'd like to ask our guest, Paul, is um, what was their first job? As you figure there's probably a good story behind it or something you learned that maybe impact your, impacted your career down the line. So we'll start with that. Yeah, two first jobs at the same time. I actually um, worked in Franklin's a supermarket as a, as a trolley boy when I was sort of 13. I probably couldn't do it these days, Thursday <laughs> night, Thursday mornings. And then, uh, and then used to caddy uh, for golf on, on Sunday and then football in the afternoon. So started work early and uh, not, not a bad habit to get into. No, for sure. Uh, Will could probably do with a caddy, I reckon. He's starting to get pretty handy on the golf course, so there you go. <laughs> He's pretty generous, Charlie, mate. Uh, so, Paul, just moving um, into a bit about yourself, um, we, when Will and I were sitting down preparing for this podcast, we noticed got extensive experience in supply chain and um, have, have very much been known as a hands-on leader. Can you speak through a bit of your background in, in the industry and, um, yeah, where that all started? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, as you say, I spent uh, pretty much my whole career in supply chain as well as a, a few other uh, diversions along the way. Uh, started really in uh, working at the airport and mascot in, in customer service for an international freight forwarder and enjoyed the international aspect of it in those days. It was the old telex machine, which was uh, <laughs> seems like uh, many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, then, um, you know, progressed through there and uh, was lucky to get some, you know, good mentors along the way and, you know, hard work and a bit of luck and ended up uh, in in asia in my early 20s uh, looking for agents and uh, i've ended up spending quite a bit of time working overseas predominantly in, in asia uh, but also in europe and the us yeah so, wow. yeah so then you went to um woolworths and you headed their um like supply chain logistics pretty much um can you speak about that role a bit and how that maybe prepared you for um your role as australia post ceo yeah, look, I had a lot of time working with retailers over the years uh, when I was in the sort of supply chain business and then coming back to Australia after uh, uh, working in Germany, um, you know, Woolworths was going through uh, quite a transformation, new CEO, new board, new chair, uh, and it was fair to say that the supply chain technology 
uh, had been underinvested in. So mm-hmm. I was brought on board to, uh, I guess, transform the supply chain as, as well as the technology. And we, we went on a five-year journey, spent, uh, you know, uh, billions of dollars, but certainly set it, you know, Woolworths up as a, as a 21st century uh, supply chain. And that investment will, will stand by them in the years ahead. Yeah, right. Okay. Because, yeah, I must say supply chain, when you like when you speak to someone like our age about supply chain, it's not something you study at university. Like I suppose Will and I, we're both at uni studying sort of economics, Will's doing law. Um, to to learn the art of uh, being a good supply chain leader, what, what would you say the, the most important skills are? I think you've got to understand, you know, who your customers are. I mean, if you take, you know, retail, it's basically buy, move, buy, move, sell. So, you know, supply yep. chain is a really critical part of it and it's fair to say up until recent years it's probably been a, a, an under-recognized part of, of any business but I think with the supply chain challenges that we've had the focus on sustainability uh, etc mm-hmm. um, cash flow it's really become you know uh, a major topic around the boardroom table now and you're seeing you know supply chain really get elevated so but I think the key skills are you got to understand who your customer is you know What's the end customer really want? Uh, then how do you build uh, the right infrastructure to support that on, on a sustainable basis? Uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, get that balance right between service and cost. Uh, obviously, big focus on cost uh, these days. Mm. Uh, but you've also, you know, in a very, very competitive landscape uh, on service. I mean, if you go to Woolies and the product you've got's not available, you, then you'll jump down the road to, to Coles or Aldi to buy it. So mm. you've got to really make sure that product's on the shelf. Yeah, and we'll we'll move into a bit of the um the the changes in the supply chain recently with with COVID obviously and your time at Woolies um I believe was throughout through a bit bit throughout COVID and now at Australia Post can you speak to us about some of the challenges that COVID nineteen's brought to the supply chain space? Yeah, it's brought uh, you know many challenges. One, obviously, the offshore international supply chain has been significantly disrupted uh, with shutdowns in China, a significant increase in, in freight costs. Uh, which has, you know, uh, started to be seen in, in imported product. Uh, then we had the domestic issues with lockdowns. Uh, you know, at the, the height of those lockdowns, Australia Post had something like 8,000 people not attending work because of COVID or COVID. Yeah. Um, and Woolworths was, you know, a similar challenge. I think at the start there was quite a lot of confusion between the states and the federal government as to, you know, what were the rules, what were the restrictions, um, you know, what was classified as an essential industry and, you know, luckily, very quickly, we got, you know, the food industry classified as, as essential industry, as was Australia. So, you know, supermarkets and uh, Australia Post stayed open uh, during all those lockdowns. And I think, you know, both industries provided a, an essential service to the community in a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll move now to, um, I guess, your hiring as Australia Post CEO and MD. Um what sort of set you apart from the other candidates that were perhaps vying for the role as well? Can you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, look, you probably have to ask the, the, the board uh, on that <laughs> one. But I think, I think they were looking for someone with an extensive you know, supply chain background, someone who was probably more of, a, of an operator and, and hands-on, um, and also, uh, I guess, who had spent their career really in, in, I guess, turnarounds or transformations, which, you know, for whatever reason, I've tended to, you know, be put into the deep end when businesses are looking to transform and uh you know australia post is certainly you know in that category as well you can come turn around a podcast then paul because we're, we're in the deep end <laughs> at the moment no um, no, um moving moving forward um i guess 
your time at Ozpost, there's undoubtedly some challenges that were that were present in the media when you started, and I guess just surrounding being a government enterprise, you're always gonna always gonna cop some serious scrutiny. Um, how do you find managing that as a leader, and um, how you how do you seek to go about sort of um, yeah just putting putting Australia Post um, in the in the good books when you started? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. It's probably you know the the most uh, challenging part of the job in terms of you know something that I haven't been exposed to uh, in the past. Obviously, I've had a profile, but you know when you become uh, CEO of Australia Post, given its brand and given its uh, its profile, you know that certainly attracts attention. Some of that positive, uh, some of it not so positive. And mm. my view is very simple. I'm here to run a business. I'm here to run a good business. Look after our customers. Look after our people. Look after our communities. Um, you know we want to be known for our good service. Uh, and for the good things that we do, uh, and my goal is to make sure that you know that's the only comment that's made in the public domain. Uh, occasionally, uh, you know, other things get picked up, uh, and we're we're not perfect. Hmm. Uh, but how we handle these situations, uh, and certainly, you know, it's certainly not about me. It's about the business, uh, and about our people, and about our customers. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think to to your credit, that's certainly been the way that from what Will and I can see, you've gone about it and probably the way you've gone about it in most of your time is sort of head down. It's it's not about me, it's about the greater good of the company and that's, mm. yeah, that's credit to you. So I guess um, moving forward in more specifically, I think one thing that I know a lot of us who probably have a bit of an online shopping tendency, including my mother and a lot of my a lot of my friends, um, have, have come to see that the digital economy is becoming so significant these days. Um, with the digital economy being so large and a 12% rise in online purchases reported in the AusPost um, financial year 2022 report, um, how, is, uh, how are you as CEO and managing director looking to ensure that AusPost can meet these, um, this new demand for an online a digital service? Yeah, we've seen, you know, certainly COVID accelerated online shopping because of lockdown. You know, the online economy is now worth some $62 billion a year. So very, very significant. All the indicators are that that will double in the next 10 years. So, you know, mm-hmm. simple mass will probably see a doubling of the number of parcels we're currently moving. Mm-hmm. So for us, uh, it's about three key things. It's about building the infrastructure in terms of our parcel centers, uh, in terms of our aircraft and all the, the necessary sort of network investments we need to make so we can handle that volume going forward. Mm. It's a continue to invest in our digital technology, our, our parcel app. Australia Post Parcel app is one of the biggest downloaded apps in the country. We'll have about a billion hits on that uh, this, this coming financial year. Um, but, we, but we need to keep investing uh, mm. because, uh, you know, the, the line is certainly incredibly competitive. We've got both local and overseas competitors. And unlike our mail business, where we have a, an exclusive uh, uh, license for that, uh, the parcel mm. business is, is completely open and therefore we're competing against you know dozens and dozens of other companies who are trying to gain market share. Yeah, I find the competition aspect very interesting because you're trying to balance the greater public good whilst also running a profitable business. I read an article about how Global Express were trying to use some of the Ospos infrastructure in rural and regional areas. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you were pretty hesitant as you had to ensure Ospos competitive advantage remained over these competitors. Can you speak to this for a bit? Yeah, as I said, it's a very openly competitive market, one of the most competitive markets in the world in terms of e-commerce parcels. Uh, you know, we've had Global Express and others uh, who use our network and, you know, we permit them to use our network provided they pay the right fees so the mm. network's not encrypted. Um, uh, you know, they were looking to, to bypass 
certain parts of our network which we didn't feel was in the best interest of of, of australia post or our customers actually mm. um but they you know they can use our network as can many others indeed we do work for a number of competitors such as the nature of the industry uh because of our, our scale and the fact that we reach obviously every community in australia when a lot of our competitors do not mm. and you spoke about you, you touched on your letter service i know that is something um, that Australia Post is quite open about is quite a challenge in managing because you, we've got a growing population. Um, where we live is expanding. With um, I think you guys you guys stated another two hundred thousand delivery points were acquired. I think last year and oh sorry since two thousand and eight um, and a sixty six percent decline in letter volume since that time. So like I guess your fixed cost is still continu- continuing to be such a significant thing, but in terms of the demand for for the service it's probably becoming less and less how do you guys go about managing that yeah that's that, that's the tricky balance we currently have a, a legal obligation under our act to, to deliver mail five days a week to 12.6 million households um, obviously uh, mail is declining rapidly as you mentioned and most households don't even notice that they're not getting mail five days <laughs> a week. Um, you know we are adding 200,000 delivery points a year because that's the number of new houses that are being built and the analogy okay. I that we're, we're building petrol stations while everyone's going electric, right? Where we're actually, uh, you know, building an infrastructure and keep investing in infrastructure that is declining. So, yeah. you know, we, we have to stop that. Uh, stop that. We're not going to stop the decline because the world is going digital. Uh, but currently our letter business loses in excess of a quarter of a billion dollars a year. Hmm. Uh, whilst our parcel business is growing because of the infrastructure that's required to deliver you know, the 12.6 million households, it does drag the overall enterprise down. So, uh, you know, we are looking at how we can work with the government to, uh, you know, address that and, I guess, reflect the modern needs of society, which is I want my parcel, not so much I want my mail delivered five days a week. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It's sort of a similar problem to what, like, Telstra had when everyone was going to mobile phones and they were still having to roll out, you know, fixed telephone lines. And I noticed that that you did, um, you know, tap the knowledge of um, Andy Penn and David Thody from Telstra. Can you speak to what came of that conversation and how that helped you guys navigate that tricky aspect of your business? Well, it's always good in any business to, to look across uh, and see, well, what other industries have gone through similar challenges? And mm. we look at, as you say, the, the growth in mobile, you know, a decade ago and the decline in fixed line, it is the same as our mail business, which is our yeah. fixed line business. And mobile for them is our parcel business. So mm. it was good to, get, uh, to speak to both Andy, who is obviously just uh, just uh, left Telstra, and David, who was, I guess, the architect of their major transformation, uh, and understand you know the the two or three key things they really focused on to, to, to deliver the turnaround. And uh, you know it has a lot of synergies with us. It's about simplifying your product portfolio, so making sure you really you know simplify what you're selling to the customer. Uh, it's obviously about being uh, efficient. And removing any any cost that you don't need, and then third thing is making sure you build efficient infrastructure. So as that volume, in their case in the mobile network, in our case in the parcel network grows, uh, then you're able to handle uh, that growth very efficiently, uh, and therefore uh, you know uh, trade profitably. Mm. And you, sorry, yeah, you, I, I find that answer very interesting. And obviously, you've had to not 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 necessarily swallow your pride, but more go okay, I'm. I'm navigating a space that Australia Post hasn't been through before. We've gone and tapped a, a private business on the shoulder and um, engaged with them. I suppose, is that something you've look, looked to do in other, part, other times throughout your career at, um, when you're at DHL and in your previous roles? 
yeah, you should never be be shy and recognizing that you know other people uh, have made have gone through similar situations or indeed had the answers. Um, and you know, I think you know it's probably something that is not done as as well in in, in executive life uh, as it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You can pick up the phone and speak to someone and say, "Yeah, here's my problem." You know, both Andy and David were, were very uh, welcoming and very forthcoming. Uh, but I've always uh, tended to look at what's happening globally. Uh, you know, what trends are there? Uh, because you know, most problems in business are not new problems; they're just problems that are uh, manifesting themselves in, in a different time frame. Uh, and what you need to do is, is, is look at both other industries, not just, you know, Telstra as an example. We also looked at other postal organizations around the world and seen, you know, what uh, they had done in terms of reform, what they had done in terms of modernizing their business. Uh, and we learned some lessons from that, both, you know, things that uh, we, we believe are going to be good for us and things that we absolutely need to avoid because, uh, you know, uh, the history of, of those uh, postal organizations who tried those things mm. uh, it is not, it's not a pretty one. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get onto that. Um, I suppose pro- the privatisation of um, government services is always an, constantly an economic argument that goes on in the media and goes on even I think in our grade twelve school class um, we we were having discussions about certain things. And I guess we we're wanting to get your take on the pros and cons of privatisation. We don't necessarily need your your, um, your opinion if you don't want to give that, but just more so your your pros and cons of it. And um, yeah, what what your take on the pr- privatisation of something like Australia Post? Yeah, well, we are, as you say, a government business enterprise, uh, you know, 100% owned by the Australian taxpayer. Uh, there is no uh, intention of the current government to, to do anything but continue that. Mm. Uh, it is an interesting argument, uh, you know, what should governments own, what should they not own? Uh, and I think it, it is a balance of, uh, you know, the ability to invest because businesses need uh, investment. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, uh, supporting uh, the expectations of the community. And I think that's where Australia finds itself, you know, really uh, being challenged to, to strike that balance. Uh, community needs are changing. They don't visit our post offices as often as they used to. The world is going digital, uh, but there's a massive demand on parcels. And indeed, in many rural areas, we're the last bank standing as bank uh, closures accelerate. Uh, so we've got to try and find that balance uh, where we're fulfilling community needs uh, we're also not a drain on the taxpayer financially, uh, and we're able to sustain a profit that allows us to invest uh, for the future to ensure we maintain uh, our dominant position as a business, but also provide those services that other commercial enterprises wouldn't do because there's no money in it. Yeah, very interesting, and thank you, thank you for such an honest answer. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so we'll just touch on, I guess, your leadership style now, um, Paul. So you noted in many articles that were outlining your hire that we read um, as a very low-profile, grounded and hard-working leader that, you know, gets amongst it. Can you speak about that for a bit? Yeah, look, uh, it's always, you know, you are who you are, and I think it's dangerous to try and change your, your natural personality, your inclination. I've always very much... Uh, you know, worked in, in, in businesses that have got, you know, very large frontline teams who are out there every day delivering or picking parcels or moving freight. Uh, and, you know, they are the backbone of, of Australia Post. So uh, I think, you know, uh, it's always good to uh, make sure you're visible in the business, uh, that you're out there communicating and, and asking questions and genuinely interested in, A, people to start with, uh, but also, you know, you know, the most important job I have is their safety and, and mental well-being. Mm. Um, and then, you know, from that, you know, create a sustainable, profitable business 
because those two and happy customers, you know, deliver uh, basically, you know, a, a difference between a bad business and a good business. So for me, it, it really is about trying to connect uh, every day uh, with our people uh, and having, you know, very, very simple messages uh, to the team. So, you know, companies have very large, complex strategies that they spend a lot of time on. And I really try and break it down to, to very, very simple things. So if you're a frontline post, you're working for Australia Post, I want you to know that I want you to be safe and that we've got a good environment for you if you're not okay uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, want you, I want you to feel you've got a voice to put your hand up if you see that we're doing something silly that doesn't <laughs> support customers. And the third thing is, and it's not for everybody, but if you have an aspiration uh, to progress your career, and indeed if you have an aspiration to, to have my job at Australia Post, then you know we want to make sure that we provide a pathway and environment that allows you to do that. Mm. And they're the only three I want you to worry about. I don't want you to worry about the bond rate or Senate estimates. <laughs> or, uh, I'll look after those things. But if you focus on those three things, then we'll have happy customers and we'll have a good team. Yeah, because I, I suppose um, you, you, you mentioned there if, if they want your job, that's something you guys are going to promote and encourage within your business because ultimately that makes that makes the performance of the business better because hopefully they're going to be working hard and doing the, all the right things. Um, coming back to sort of that whole idea of the values and the culture you guys are trying to build, the ties set of values is something I know that, um, that Australia Post is quite big on. Can you explain them to us? Yeah, look, trust, inclusivity, um, you know, empowerment and safety, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, they're really things that are, I guess, the, the, the DNA of, of who we want to be. Uh, we overarch that with our program called the AP Way, which is sort of our, our compass for the future and taking us into, you know, our, what we call our post-26 strategy. Um, but, you know, companies have personalities uh, and, you know, they have, you know, cultures that are, that are built over up over many years. Australia Post is 213 years old. Uh, so, you know, those cultures have been in place a long time. But we want to really build a, an environment where people do feel trusted. Uh, they do feel they're empowered. They know that safety, both mental and physical safety, is, is high on our list. And we have inclusivity. We've got over 137 different nationalities who work in Australia Post. Wow. Mm. We're the largest employer of people with a disability, one of the largest employers of you know, First Nations people. Um, uh, and, you know, they're, they're good things for our business, they're good things for our communities, um, and they're things that we should be proud of. So the ties values is really, for me, it gets back to, you know, do the right thing. You know, if, if, he, if, if the average person in the street was looking at how we would handle this situation, how would they want Australia Post to handle it? And I think when you're in doubt as a manager around how you would handle a situation, you go back to our ties values, you go back to our AP way, and that should provide you with some guidelines as to do, as to how you manage that situation. But ultimately, you know, we, 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 we want to do the right thing. Yeah, nice. Cause I get, and you met, you touched on your post-26 strategy there. Um, that was something I found very interesting when I was reading um, through your annual report from last year. Can you speak to our audience a bit about that? Yeah, again, you know, Post has been through, you know, quite a few journeys in the last, you know, five to 10 years, different sort of transformations or strategies. Obviously, COVID, uh, you know, accelerated or changed the view on a number of those. So coming in, uh, you know, I I didn't want to completely change the strategy, but there were things I felt we needed to, to look at. And I think it's very good for a business to have a three to five year plan to really put a marker down and say, you know, in five years time, this is what we want to be famous for, both culturally, service wise. Uh, you know, customers, products, innovation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we, we, we revisited the, the plan that was in place uh, based on, you know, post-COVID environment and what our customers were telling us. And we came up with post-26, uh, mm. which really 
uh, is around where we want to be as an organization at the end of uh, you know uh, 2026 mm-hmm. uh, and we've broken it down into you know five key areas that we really want to focus on which is you know winning in e-commerce uh, we're already a dominant player but we need to retain that ownership yep. reimagine reimagining our post office network of the future because with the change in digitization that's going to, to happen uh being a leader in digital and all that that means both internally and externally yep. and then make sure we really simplify uh, our products um and, and and are easy to do business with yeah cool no because and you, you mentioned coming in as a new leader and not wanting to completely reinvent the wheel straight away but to implement a sustainable long-term strategy that you believe will put australia post in good stead what would you say to because we do have a fair few well I'll pump us up a bit. We do. We are lucky enough to have a fair few good business leaders who listen to our podcast. What would you say to them about um, it, when they step into new leadership roles, how you've gone about it and what you were most conscious of when you sat down on your first day um, at Australia Post? Yeah, for me, look, conscious of the responsibility that I've been given because it is a you know iconic brand. Uh, it does play you know an incredibly important role in the community of Australia. So certainly felt that that responsibility, um, but also uh, to ensure that you know we are relevant for the 21st century. Uh, you know, 230 year old organisation. How do we survive the next 200 years in a time of <laughs> incredibly rapid change? And for me, it's all about making sure you build a really strong team around you. Uh, you spend the first, you know, three to six months really listening to all your stakeholders, customers, unions, uh, you know, your own team, you know, politicians, community groups. Uh, so you can really get a sense of uh, of what is expected of Australia Post. And then that helps uh, you work with your, your leadership team to, to formulate the strategy, which is where we ended up with uh, post twenty. Mm. Yeah, you spoke about how important, like, the role is for the Australian public and, you know, because of that and because, you know, taxpayer money is involved, the roles obviously face a lot of scrutiny in the past. Was that something that, like, worried you at all or deterred you at all from, from like, potentially taking the role? Because it seems like, you know, it's almost a haunted position of the past few highs <laughs> haven't, haven't yeah. ended too well. Yeah, no, it was, it was a concern, but, you know, uh, Australia has been, you know, good to me and, and good to my family and, mm. you know, what I'm getting well paid for the gig uh, i do uh, believe that you know someone had to get in there and and really uh, help it transform and uh, mm. you know seemed to sort of be a, a nice way to use all the skills that i'd gathered over my career uh, and bring them to bear um again you know as you mentioned i don't you know look to make the headlines the headlines should be about the business and about our customers yeah. uh, and if we can maintain that that is good mm. uh, but Look, it goes with the job, and it's probably the the most negative part of the job. But I knew that when I took on the gig, uh, and you know, my goal is to to make any headline one that is uh, you know about the business rather than about me. And it's for all the positive reasons that Australia Post exists, not the negative ones. Mm. And yeah, sh- shifting to those positive reasons, what excites you? Um, I suppose the most about um, the opportunity that you've got currently as um, CEO and managing director. Well, I think our underlying culture when it comes to community and customers is really, really strong, and that's always a great thing to build a business on. We need to be more commercial. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a 
We've got a strong parcel business that we need to continue to invest in and grow, but I don't see any reason why we can't cannot continue to be a leader in that space. I think we've got some really exciting ideas around our, our post office network and what we're calling our community hub at post, which is a, a bigger footprint in, in certain regional towns, and also how we expand our points of presence and points of service. So, you know, will they be through partnerships uh, or through, you know, uh, uh, lockers or, or other means of self-service? Uh, you know, what we want to do is actually create uh, more convenience for our customers. And then I think overriding that uh, is, is the technology side. How do we, you know, make sure that the technology that we put in the hands of our customers really does allow them uh, to work with us seamlessly? If you're a small business, how do you get online with Australia Post to ship your first parcel and then go through a journey with us uh, so that, you know, you end up becoming a, a large enterprise uh, and we want to make that experience you know, very, very easy for you and, and, and very simple for you. So we've got some work to do there. But again, our, our base and our digital space is pretty strong. Uh, and then continuing to do the great work we do uh, in communities with, through our community grant program, uh, you know, through our Indigenous uh, uh, education programs, the work we do with Red Cross, and all the work we do internally with, you know, our refugee group, our First Nations team and mob uh, and, you know, those who've got uh, a disability, they're, they're great hallmarks of post uh, and things that, you know, we do really, really well. Uh, and, and not mm. just things that we do because it's the right thing to do, but it, it's expected of us. You know, there's an there's a expectation in the community that, you know, whilst other commercial enterprises may not do this or do that or employ, you know, those people, we expect that post will find a way to do that. And, uh, you know, we do and we're very proud of it. Mm, yeah, and that's that that's a very interesting point you make there because as you say, you you guys are a company that's got financial objectives that's got to meet and very much operates in a lot of senses as a listed company would in the way that you're a poor, in the way that you're um, beholden to certain financial expectations, as I said. But at the end of the day, you're there for the greater good to improve the quality of lives of Australians. And so, yeah, I f- found, that, found that a very interesting point. And yeah, um, I, I must say, I think if... If Australia Post continues to manage that balance the way you're saying that um, they're looking to, it sounds very promising. Yeah. No, it does. And look, I think, uh, you know, one, one thing that is a bit uh, unusual is that we are, whilst we're government owned, we're not government funded. So we take no funding from the government. Ah. We, actually, mm. we actually pay yeah. the government dividend. And it's probably something that the average person in the street. Uh, doesn't recognise. They probably think that you know the government writes us a check every year, but uh, we actually write the government a check. So <laughs> I think we've got more work to do to uh, to highlight that uh, yeah. because we are completely self-funding, uh, and you know, the sort of four hundred and fifty million dollars a year we spend on capital works is all self-funded. We need to emphasise that at the same time, you know, remind people as to why we need to spend that money to improve you know, our customer experience and improve the lives of those, particularly in rural and remote communities. Yeah, and what better way to start highlighting it than on the Business Of podcast, hey, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why I chose it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Paul, thanks for your chat today. Um, The last question I'd like to ask our guests is, and obviously you've had a great career that's culminated in you being the CEO of one of, you know, Australia's most iconic organisations. If we take you back to when you were, you know, 20 years old, is there a piece of advice that you would give yourself back then? Um, yeah, probably look to, to one to be a little bit more patient because I'm still relatively impatient. It's a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> I think, and I think that, you know, the, 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 the trust, the trust yourself, the trust that, you know, good work ethic, you know, being kind, good manners, 
and and being curious, you know, I think are really good hallmarks of, of anybody who wants to develop a career in whatever field that may be. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Paul. We really appreciate it and um, best of luck for 2023. Thanks, Paul. And you too. All the best. Thanks, Jens. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Business Of. If you enjoyed the show, please consider rating and following us on your chosen podcast platform, LinkedIn and Instagram, as it helps others find us.